0: This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Mirsham. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them.
1: You're
0: listening to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo, and I'm John David. JD. Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. (laughs) Good afternoon to you too, sir. How are you doing today?
1: I mean, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It was a, uh, man, it was a a restful weekend and, um, man, the shop, uh, here in Jackson is, uh, kind of creeping back open to, uh, you know, full, full steam here. So our, uh, local authorities have kind of given us the green light to, you know, open back up a little bit. And so, um, man, just enjoying the, um, yeah, enjoying, you know, seeing some old friends and stuff like that. Of course, trying to take as much precaution as we can with, uh, lots of, Lots of gloves and uh, you know, uh, tons and tons of uh, hand washing and sanitizer usage and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. But uh, man, yeah, we're we're doing great, just trucking along, trying to uh, enjoy the uh, the new reality we live in. So, <laughs> what's going on with you, man?
0: Man, we're doing good over here. I mean, it's kind of a fun uh, fun day uh, as we're recording this uh, the podcast because you know my birthday is coming up in about a week or so. But my uh, amazing wife and children. Uh, decided they would make me a cake a little bit early. The goal was we're gonna make this cake, we're gonna freeze it because we're gonna be um, kind of. Uh, uh, I hate to say that we're gonna go on vacation because you're not supposed to say that right now. But we're 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 taking a small trip as a family where we will be in quarantine the entire time. So you know we're, we're you know, nobody vacation <laughs> shame me. Here. But anyway, that point should, is that uh, that should
1: keep most of the people off your back, though That's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like you know
0: when you're camping, you know when you're camping or you're like staying at a cabin or something of that nature, then you know you not it, it's still it's still quarantine just quarantine a different location if no, that's you will. good
1: yeah you're just you're just somewhere else
0: <laughs> yeah they they uh they decided they would uh, make me cake and um you know in my family uh, caramel cakes uh, from my grandfather to my father to me it's always kind of a, a birthday tradition
1: yeah that's nice you
0: gotta understand like to my wife this is just not not her thing like she lo- like she loves baking but she tries to make things healthy and caramel cake there is no such thing as a healthy caramel cake. I don't even, I don't even want to know what the attempt looks like, to be honest with you.
1: But, um, you you know, I heard one time to make a caramel or to, to make a caramel cake, a little less sweet. You got to serve it with ice cream to cut the sweetness. (laughs) That's right. That's, that's exactly right, man. You gotta get that vanilla ice cream. Yeah, we're doing it.
0: We're doing it, man. But yeah, so that's, that's about the situation we find ourselves in, but yeah, so they made this and they were going to freeze it for us to be able to enjoy on my birthday while we're away. Uh, but the funny thing is, uh, well, not funny, I, so it didn't go according to plan. You know what I mean? Like you start off with the best intentions and you have like a multi-layered cake and it kind of becomes a lopsided thing of just deliciousness, but maybe not the most like visually stimulating, if you're
1: attractive, me. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So they they uh, they lovingly asked if we could go ahead and bump my birthday up, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do it on Monday." So we're with uh, tonight as we record this podcast, we're having my birthday celebration. I got a porterhouse oh, from uh, from the store. Yeah, man, we're gonna do the caramel cake. I'm I'm doing the porterhouse, uh, bistecca florentina, or whatever the Italians say. It's just a super rare beef, and it's uh, it's gonna be yeah, good. bless you. <laughs> it's gonna be good. I actually dry aged the thing too. I put it, did the whole like salt it, put it in the fridge. Uh, I'm mildly nervous. We'll see what ends up happening, but uh, it should be good, man. I'm
1: <laughs> I'm doing well. here. Hopefully, y'all won't get botulism or anything. But no, <laughs> but the thing I bet you'll be fine. Well, man. Uh, yeah.
0: Go ahead. Well, so I'm really stoked about this because not only do I, am I going to enjoy this amazing steak, this amazing cake, but I'm also going to be enjoying my pipe tonight and man, I'm going to be enjoying some new pipe tobacco new, new to me, like not new to anybody else but me. But like, I feel like I've like discovered something that several people are already well familiar with and that's uh, taps VIP. Yeah. Have you, have you tried the taps VIP? Yeah. Oh, so good.
1: I actually haven't. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, that's a Daughters and Ryan tobacco. Is that right? They're the
0: distributors. But I want to say that it's, what is it, the Triangle State uh, Pipe Club. I'm sure I'm butchering their name. And we need somebody on from that group. I, I actually, I thought about it after I, I smoked my first bowl of it. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I need to reach out to these folks and see if they want to come on the show. And, and just like, let me just like yeah. hit them with all the praise in the world. Because I mean, like it's bourbon, it's honey. It's like all of these amazing... Uh, uh, flavors in there. And I mean, you yeah, know, it's not for everybody, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I just discovered that and I'm looking forward to smoking it tonight.
1: That's great, man. Yeah. A quick, uh, a quick research here. Cause I have not smoked Taps VIP and I actually am not super familiar with most of uh, the Daughters and Ryan products, but yeah, it looks like it was made for uh, the triangle area pipe smokers there in North Carolina, I'm assuming. And uh, it's a Virginia Perique blend made by uh, Daughters and Ryan, uh, blended by Mark Ryan. And, uh, yeah, it comes in a, in a cool little, uh, you know, one of the, uh, Cornell and Deal style tins, it looks like. And, um, man, yeah, so you, you really enjoyed it. And it's a Virginia Parique and, uh, and it's got, looks like some, uh, aniseed, uh, bourbon flavor, honey. Um, that looks great, man. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to give it a, give it a shot. I, for some reason, I just have not worked, uh, through a lot of the Daughters and Ryan balloons and i um and 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 frankly i'm ashamed so i need to (laughs) i need to to remedy that
0: i love it my my pipe smoking experience just just kind of surpassed you wow
1: you shamed this is you shamed me you did (laughs) hey i'm i'm proud of you man yeah put put a put a star on your uh on your chest this is this is a
0: birthday (laughs) miracle right here this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) anyway man so yeah so it's it's going well here um but man i'm excited to uh to be talking with you we got a great show planned for everybody uh we want to of course uh first mention we got some great new uh we got a great new club member and a new patron as well uh joining us uh at the pilgrim level ladies and gentlemen aaron pervy now i'm sure i could i'm sure he aaron i'm sure aaron would have like appreciated me intentionally like mispronouncing his last name but no it's pervy it's it's Aaron Purvey, and thank you for being a pilgrim, brother. We thank you so much.
1: <laughs> that is right. That is right, man. Thank you so much, Aaron, for uh, for supporting the show, man. We are so grateful.
0: P- Purvey, Aaron Purvey. There we go. <laughs> we also have man joining us at uh, as as a patron. Uh, Alex uh, hates Alex. I am actually butchering his last name, uh, but uh, but he actually is going to be back in later on the show for. Uh, for some quick fire questions where he's going to take me to task for knowing full well that I am going to butcher his name, uh, which I appreciate that's, that is some commitment right there. That's uh that, that's some commitment. So it should be uh it should be a great show. Looking forward to getting to that, but thank you to both Aaron and Alex without you, yeah. this podcast would not happen. So y'all are amazing. Thank you. All right. I am stoked, man. We are going to be talking about a subject that I think you and I have talked about doing this show for so long that we both kind of thought we
1: had yeah. done it at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and it's funny, Bo, there are so many topics that are like that, you know, that we, we have discussed around the edges over literally the past, you know, <laughs> how long we've we been doing this? Like 15 years? Not that long, but, <laughs> you know, we've we've talked about it around- Getting close, it feels uh, like. It feels like, right? Yeah, we, we've we been talking about it around the periphery for so long and we've kind of had little dives into it here and there. But, um, man, it's it's just amazing that, yeah, we, we have, uh, you know, never taken a full- uh, you know, full blown look into into this particular one. Yeah.
0: Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we're talking about uh, the 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 blends that you yourself have taken out a second mortgage in pursuit of. The blends that Blackbeard himself could not go on a treasure quest that would be successful enough. The blends that are so legendary that Indiana Jones had to traverse the caverns of some country and do some stuff and switch out the monkey statue with the sandbag and still it wasn't there. Of course... We're finally talking about esoterica, and you're going to explain to me the the back end of es- esoterica. Because like when I That's see esoterica, right. esoterica as a pipe enthusiast, as you know, somebody who enjoys pipe tobacco, uh, man, I you know I know them from legend. You know, I've I've enjoyed some Penzance, I have enjoyed uh, some Pembroke. But like I, I just like that is like the extent of my knowledge. I know you see esoterica, you assume uh, you assume premium. Now, whether or not you taste premium, that might be up for discussion, but you assume premium and you certainly assume like exclusivity. But like in, in terms of where these blends come from, who's the distributors, how they became what they are today. Uh, man, I I am like front row seat here. I am ready to learn.
1: <laughs> well, and and of course, you know, we are talking about esoterica today. But so you ca- you can't talk about esoterica without talking about J F Germain, and it's uh you know this uh, fantastic uh, blending house tucked away there on an island in the uh, in the English Channel, and um you know folks are like, oh Germain, I've heard of that esoterica, I've heard of that. Well, well these are the same uh, these are the same people. It's the same uh, it's the same folks uh, blending this stuff. They're doing it for different markets. And it has kind of a interesting entwined history, and uh, of course they're some of the most sought after, the Germaine and Esoterica tobaccos, some of the most um, most sought after tobaccos in the world, and uh, and for good reason. They're they're incredibly unique. They're incredibly high quality. Um, even if they weren't high quality, they they come out in such small batches that. It's just a supply and demand thing. It's one of those things where, you know, for a for a company, you know, of this renowned in the pipe smoking community to have basically less than 20 employees, <laughs> you know, and they're making this, uh, you know, caliber of tobacco, you, you're you not surprised that it's hard to find the stuff. One of those things where folks have made uh, very, uh, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, questionable purchases that they've had to explain to their spouse, mm. like you spent $300 mm-hmm. on a 50 gram tin of what? <laughs> and, uh, of course, that all, uh, all starts with, uh, with G- the Germain and Company and their, uh, they're a fantastic blends. So, um, yeah, JF Germain and Son, uh, founded in eighteen twenty on the Jersey Islands, uh, by a gentleman named Thomas Albin. Now, it, you know, it's interesting though, we you know, we, here we are, we find ourselves in twenty twenty and we're discussing this topic and and this is the two hundredth anniversary of the uh of the Germaine uh, tobacco factory. So the, this 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 company actually got started literally two hundred years ago this year, uh, which is pretty fantastic so um you know it's it's really neat just kind of the uh the anniversaries that are um that are happening uh this year you know we've got obviously the squire is turning uh 50 years old and um you know you've got jf germain that uh, is turning 200 uh if if i'm if i'm not mistaken i I believe lj peretti uh is turning 150 this year as well of course famous uh tobacconist there and um, in Boston, and so um, man, just you know, so much to celebrate in the pipe smoking world. We're just we're glad to be a small part of it. But um, man, founded in 1820 uh, by Thomas Alban Jersey. Where is that? So you, imagine you, you're kind of envisioning, you know, the Isle of Great Britain, the English Channel, and then France right beneath it. And there's this island that's very, very, very close to France. It's so close to France, it's only 12 miles away that you would just assume that it would be a part of. Of France, but actually, it is a realm that is a uh, protectorate of the of the crown of of England, uh, now Great Britain. It is part of um, of the you know was part of the British Empire was a part of uh, Normandy uh, you know when you think about you know if you're familiar with British history Western Civ stuff you know you had the Normans kind of come over and conquer 1066 William the Conqueror came over and conquered England right and uh, you know established uh, the Norman rule there and and what what's interesting so at that At that time, going that far back, we're talking a thousand years, this little island of Jersey was a part of, um, you know, the the English king's holdings at that time. Well, eventually, you know, Normandy was lost by... The English kings to other interests on the continent, and so the English kings, who were Norman, they were kind of stuck in England, and now all their territories were up there. Uh, the you know their French holdings became uh, you know subject to other rulers, and 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 this little island of Jersey somehow slipped through the cracks, and it and it to this day remains in uh, English now now British uh, control, and so really interesting, but little tiny island. It's a self-governing island. Uh, it kind of has its own national identity and. Uh, you know, all that type of stuff. And so, and, and the Germain Company, J.F. Germain is a part of that. It's kind of a part of uh, this little atolls, uh, you know, identity, which is which is really neat. Thomas Albin, he started as a shipper, actually. He was a shipper and an entrepreneur um, in the early 19th century and realized the importance of transporting essential goods and that, that Jersey was the perfect location for this because of all the uh, confluence. You had France, you had Belgium, you had England, and uh, you know uh, Denmark and uh, these places and of course you know this was kind of a nice jumping off point to go to uh, exotic places you know in the new world uh, you know in the South Pacific uh, places like Australia and New Zealand and and so uh, you know he kind of realized the the um, importance of this this particular area in getting uh, ships outfitted and provisioned for these uh, these big journeys that they were going to take uh, Jersey trafficked in a lot of cargo provisions during this time and so he wanted to be a part of that and you know the ships would leave and go to these interesting places and of course they would bring back exotic items and exotic things back to this little tiny european english island there in the in the channel so one of those things obviously wound up being tobacco (laughs) it's just such a small world
0: man the old school sailors really were i mean they were the uh they they were going around and uh bring exposing so much back to uh back to their homes like you know you we'd We've talked about it before, but I mean, you, like there's a there's uh, such a fascinating aspect of you know the you think about the first time that you see somebody walking down the street smoking a pipe and just you know having no concept of what that is. Um, even now, like you think about the kind of the oddity of like, oh hey, somebody's smoking a pipe. but like imagine you know, go back and like imagine that's just not the norm, that is just completely foreign concept. What a, what a bizarre moment in time that must have been. Yeah, it's you know?
1: fascinating. Yeah, to be on the cusp, you know, kind of the uh, you know the front lines of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, Albin, you know, he provisioned these ships, uh, picked up tobacco from North America's eastern seaboard, brought them back, and realized that there was a market actually in processing his own tobacco once it got back to. To the isle of jersey there in europe and so uh, you know he initially realized hey to you know meet local demand you know our local they're folks that live on this island we can make tobacco for them and process it in our own unique way uh and then he realized you know we've got uh, the opportunity to ship this stuff, maybe some some close by areas, parts of France, parts of England, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, parts of uh, Belgium, um, you know, uh, and, and so he, he saw the, you know, it the opportunity there, and so the company was born. And so a company named after a man named Thomas Albin, uh, you know, it's interesting, why is it called J.F. Germain? Well, uh, Albin's nephew, Philip Germain, soon joined the company, uh, and then his son, John Francis Germain, eventually took over and kind of gave the company its most. Um, you know most international uh, broad push and and so John Francis Germain eventually took over and the company bears his name today so Jf Germain is for uh, John Francis and kind of the height of their you know as they propagated you know throughout the tobacco market I mean uh, you know we're talking like the 1920s 1930s here and they'd kind of really gotten uh, established as a company that was uh, pushing the envelope had some of the best uh, blends in the world was incredibly uh, picky about the type of leaf they used and all this stuff and so that's where the the name came after so i I don't know you know what kind of what kind of conversations go into that right it's like uh, you know, how, how do you change the name of a tobacco company like a hundred years after it was founded? I, I don't know, but anyway, <laughs> today uh, it is known for uh, uh, John Francis Germain or JF Germain. The Isle of uh, Jersey, it has a really interesting and ideal climate for tobacco processing. Uh, it's very mild, uh, kind of the salty air, it's very temperate. Um, and it's it's a very quiet place. And so, uh, you know, the, the tobaccos there are able to, you know, age and uh, be produced there in kind of a unique way. And then the tobacco availability made available locally and then primarily used by sailors at the time. And so you talk about sailors, you know, they're bringing these, things overseas and then they're bringing stuff back home that's interesting and uh, weird and all this stuff. And so the tobacco is kind of a part of that. And so, um, you know, they, uh, Auburn and J.F. Germain, they made the uh, tobacco, tobacco available locally and then uh, obviously was used by the sailors that went abroad uh, and then consumed by pipe smokers in nearby places again, like the UK and uh, and throughout Europe. So, um, you know, as with many of the legacy British tobacco manufacturers, JF Germain, um, you know, developed much of its own proprietary equipment. Uh, some of which is actually still in use today. I mean, some of these, uh, some of these, you know, machines and stuff that they're producing this, um, you know, exquisite tobacco on, or uh, you know, predate some of the states in America. Right? I mean, it's just, uh, you know, tr- tremendous the amount of, um, you know, history that goes into this. And of course, when these things break, um, you know, there's not you don't call the Maytag guy to come down and fix it, right? <laughs> you know, you've got to, uh, you know, come up with uh, specially engineered ways to uh, maintain this precious, uh, you know, priceless equipment uh, that's uh, that's really, you know, really special and a part of their, you know, development. So uh, they're very secretive about you know their processes, but uh, kind of you know the Germain folks became known for that natural tobacco and and lightly flavored tobaccos. We're thinking of non-aromatics and uh, aromatics that are lightly flavored, very uh, you know kissed by uh, you know things like uh, honey and. Uh, you know, aniseed, uh, rum, uh, bourbon, uh, you know, plum, things of this nature, and so um, you know, just have a whole a whole line of things that are very uh, special, kind of in that in that realm. Uh, the 1820 mixture, their signature English, with uh, cyprian latakia, um, very hard to get in the American market, and uh, plum cake, probably one of their uh, more sought after blends as well. Uh, it's a kind of a plum topped Virginia shag. Uh, they say they use a quote unquote black tobacco in there that is uh, rarely used in any other pipe tobaccos, but don't really talk about what necessarily that is. So kind of kind of interesting. But um, they're like, it's not Cavendish, it's black tobacco. Well, that could be a lot of things. But <laughs> um, but yeah. So you've got you know Jermaine makes all these uh, incredible um, you know tobaccos that are are highly revered. Um, it's unique in British blenders in that it doesn't use that, um, you know, we've talked about before that Lakeland essence, that rosewater essence that is uh, so uh, indicative of, um, you know, blends that are, come out of places from, you know, like Sam Gaywith and Gaywith and Hogarth. Um, and, and, you know, of course, that is kind of, when, when folks think of English blenders, British blenders, they kind of think of that, but those are, that's typically more reserved for the folks uh, that would be in uh, that Lakeland district of uh, Northwest England and and so they, you know they very much uh, although uh, incredible you know tradition of uh, you know British blending and all that they they use different techniques that don't really bleed over as much to the um, to the folks here at, uh, at JF Maine so that don't you don't really when you smoke these blends even the ones that are topped and uh, have some type of flavoring you don't really get that that essence of um, you know the floral, um, you know, rose, honey. Uh, there's just it, that kind of. There's a lack of that uh, soapiness that's there. That uh, it, I guess that's my derogatory way of describing a, <laughs> de- de- you know, ex- describing the uh, the Lakeland blends. But um, and we have a lot of folks. You know, obviously, a lot of listeners love Lakeland blends and love that uh, kind of uh, stuff. To me, you know, most of those blends, it kind of tastes like I just, you know, um, I don't know. It, drank out of something i bought at bath and body works but <laughs> but uh but that's that's just me so um but anyway you don't you don't really get that flavor profile though when you when you come down to the um you know to the stuff uh at germain so so you know Beau, how does esoterica play into this we you know we uh, mm-hmm. talk about germain they make all these uh outstanding blends they've got uh you know the special latakia flake and uh, all their uh, their Royal Jersey series of tobaccos, their rich dark flake, um, you know, and and then we've got this esoterica stuff, and it's and it's uh, and it's esoteric, it's specialized, it's weird, it's unique, it's uh, it's interesting and different, and it's really hard to get, and everybody goes crazy for it. It's very hyped, and um, it, you know, it's um it, it's it's interesting. So how does how does this play into it? Um, Germain makes esoterica for the American market. Uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, there is a a, a long-time uh, business uh, based out of Columbus, Ohio, called Smokers Haven. Smokers Haven, uh, it, I believe, used to be—if I'm—if i I'm have got the facts correct—I uh, I know it used to be a, a brick-and-mortar store. Um, I don't think it has a current brick and mortar location. I think it's an online only business that is run by Premil Chetta, who is a very well, a well, you know, highly, highly, highly regarded uh, pipe carver and uh, and quite a gentleman and uh, you know just someone that um, you know if you get the chance to meet at a pipe show you should. But um, but anyway, Premil owns uh, the current iteration of Smokers Haven, which I believe is just an online. Uh, store, but you know the company goes way back to you know the 1920 or 1940, I, I believe, as Smokers Haven does, and and for a long time they actually had this whole line of tobaccos that were made for them by um, other people. They they had uh, you know another manufacturer, basically a manufacturer in. Um, in Europe uh, produce tobaccos under their name. So it, it's kind of like if the country squire went and talked to I don't know Bo let's say they let's say we went and talked to Lane and we said, hey Lane, we want you to make us uh, a series of tobaccos and, and call it uh, this, this and this and we're going to put it under our name kind of thing. White labeling is what we call this and so right um, right
0: yeah the same terminology is used in the app development world.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, we had uh, Smoker's Haven doing this. And eventually, um, you know, during the uh, early 1980s, uh, Sobrani was actually the uh, one producing a lot of their tobaccos for them. They had, a uh, you know, several blends, uh, you know, what you can imagine, aromatics, uh, English blends, Virginia Perique's, just, you know, all over the map. Uh, their cognac blend was very... Very uh, sought after and kind of well known. And um, overnight, uh, the Sobrani company actually pulled out of white labeling these blends. They, without almost any warning, they kind of quit making these uh, these blends for. Uh, Smoker's Haven. And so it's interesting, Smoker's Haven, they developed for this brick and mortar store, they developed this really strong following uh, of, you know, of, uh, you know, folks that were buying these uh, this tobacco that, that they were having produced for them. So, um, you know, let's say, you know, the Country Squire went and got Lane to produce all these tobaccos. And then the Country Squire got really dependent on these tobaccos because they were so popular. And then all of a sudden Lane you know, called us overnight and was like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. And so, um, so that's, that's kind of what happened with Smokers Haven. And so, so J.F. Tremaine stepped in and was selected uh, kind of on short notice to replicate uh, the original tobaccos that were being produced for Smokers Haven. And so uh, they got really, really popular and, um, and took off. And for some reason, and I'm kind of foggy on the, um, on the, um, the history here, but for some reason Smokers Haven and uh, and Germain uh, split. They kind of parted ways in the uh, mid to late 1980s, and so um, interesting and very um, you know uh, kind of a kind of a fascinating turn in pipe smoking history, certainly on this side of the pond, because you know Smokers Haven was essentially being the they were being used as the import. Uh, you know, the, the source for all this germane tobacco, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, was being produced under their own name, but, um, but you know, it was from germane, and it was their kind of, it was their, um, you know, uh, 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 you know, point of sale kind of here in the United States, and that's how, you know, germane tobaccos entered the U.S. was, um, you know, through, through Smoker's Haven, so uh, they kind of split ways, and then, Later in the 1980s, um, you know it, it, it's interesting, you know they were like, well, we've got all these outstanding blends that are being produced by Germain. But we don't have, you know, any way to really get them in the country, so someone's got to import this stuff. And so a guy named Steve Richmond uh, began importing um, the Esoterica tobaccos. He called them Esoterica uh, just to, you know, make it kind of an interesting, uh, really marketing genius type of thing. You know, it was one of those uh, highly sought-after, fascinating blends that— um, you, you know, just kind of kept people's, uh, you know, interest peaked and all that stuff. But uh, Steve eventually sold to someone you may know there in Houston, uh, Bo, and oh? that is a that is a person named Mike Butera. Oh, and okay. Mike, yes. Butera, yes, yes, Mike yes. Butera eventually kind of bought the rights uh, from uh, Steve uh, to, the, um, to the esoterica lineup. And, you know, Steve was, he kind of saw this as an opportunity for, uh, someone who had, you know, the appropriate energy and resources and all this stuff to kind of get the Esoterica name really out there. And so um, so when Mike Butera got a hold of it, uh, the Esoterica, uh, you know, brand in the United States really caught on like wildfire and uh, was produced, um, you know, there in, in Jersey, but imported through Mike Butera into the American, uh, you know, tobacco ecosystem. And, um, and then with you know heavy marketing and you know just lots of um, you know very uh, you know kind of um, you know they, they made this stuff seem like gold, right? I mean look at look at the packaging and look at how exquisite it is and all this stuff and and so it's uh, you know one, once you get your hands on it it's like man we've got to we got to hang on to it And it's got real value because it's gold well it's tobacco but <laughs> but we but we kind of treat it like gold right know? right so, right it's it's um, all about that packaging and, baby. So Mike and his genius, and you know, they really got this stuff. Um, you know, just very, um, very marketable, incredibly uh, sought after uh, here in the states. And so, um, you know, and that that's that's why it is so uh, sought after. It's a you know, it's a bl- it was a series of blends that uh, you know went away and then came back and then went away again. And then are you know, and then are back again. And now, uh, Mike Butera eventually sold, if I'm understanding this right, eventually sold the rights of this to uh, the Arango Cigar Company uh, out of Chicago. So, longtime listeners of Country Squire Radio will uh, remember this time last year. Of course, we were at the Chicago Pipe Show, and I talked to a, a very good friend of mine in the industry uh, named Josh Weiser. Josh uh, works for uh, the Arango Cigar Company, and he's the importer of. All this fine esoterica tobacco, and so that's that is, he is kind of the um, kind of the gatekeeper, the uh, pre- Lord protector of all this uh, esoterica goldness that you know comes in uh, comes into the United States and. Uh, you know, is, has the very difficult task of distributing it to uh, various uh, tobacco shops and internet retailers and all this kind of stuff. So pretty interesting. Uh, so, you know, kind of looking back, we've, we've talked about Germain, and now we've talked about Esoterica. Esoterica is only available in the U.S. for retail distributorship. And so um, the Germain tobaccos that are actually, uh, you know, packaged under the name J.F. Germain, uh, are are more available in the EU. Sometimes we'll see them on this side of the pond, and we do get them occasionally, but, but they are much more available in the, in the EU and in, in the UK. And so um, so it's interesting. You've got, like, the United States, and we're awash in uh, the esoterica stuff, and all the uh, folks in, in the rest of the world are jealous about that. And then you've got the folks in the rest of the world that are awash in all the germane stuff, and we can't really get it much in America, and so we're jealous about that over here. <laughs> and so there's just lots of demand and this cross-pollination of uh, tobaccos being sent, you know, across the uh, the pond, you know, lots of tr- horse trading and things of that nature to try to get your hands on uh, these blends that, you know, are hard to get in their own right, even in, you know, countries where they are uh, distributed, but, but certainly, uh, you know, really hard to get in places where they're not not even distributed uh, at all. And so it's just kind of fascinating. There's some speculation that some of the Esoterica blends are actually um, just versions of the germane blends of the of the european market blends and so um you know most common wisdom common knowledge has said this is not so there's uh they're all unique tobaccos they've been compared multiple times by uh you know tobacco tasters that are um you know uh, very experienced and all that kind of stuff that you know would say oh no well you know uh, rich dark flake is not the same as stonehaven and things of that nature but but there is some discussion like well you know did they just take their european market blends and repackage them mm-hmm. give them a new name and sell them in america yeah. well you know the, the general the general consensus is no that's not the case but um but you never know there may be some um you know some little trickery going back uh behind the curtains there um on the isle of jersey but uh for the most part the consensus is that uh, that they are all unique blends so for a small blender, uh, that employs, you know, <laughs> I mean, less than, you know, a handful of people. I mean, we're talking about very small batches of tobacco, uh, very, very picky about the ingredients they use, about the, uh, you know, time that they allow their tobacco to sit and process. And, uh, you know, obviously they're, you know, using equipment that's very, uh, specialized that, uh, takes time. So, you know, the, the, Uh, you know, improvements in industrialization that happened in the 20th century, that has not caught up to the factory there (laughs) as much as you might think uh, there in, um, you know, in On the Isle of Jersey. And so, uh, you know, these are small batch tobaccos. They are very, very highly sought after, incredibly hard to get, um, you know, but um, but still have that same quality. And and there's a reason folks love them. So um, the factory was redone in the 1960s, actually, but still sits in the same location it did literally 200 years ago this year. And uh, it's on the south side of Jersey Island, and uh, it's right along the docks. And so, um, you know, it, we're lucky enough to occasionally get a nice shipment of, uh, of gold here in the United States. And, um, you know, if you're overseas and in, um, you know, places like uh, London or, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, some of the more famous smoke shops in uh, Europe, the uh, Danish pipe shop or, um, you know, stuff in Germany, you may, you may be more likely to see the, uh, germane tobaccos over there, but, um, but, but certainly won't see esoterica unless it's, uh, by someone that, um, you know, got it from this side of the pond. So anyway, pretty cool, man. A great, a great company, a great story. And obviously some of the best tobaccos in the world that, uh, that are hard to get.
0: Man, that's crazy. What a, what a fascinating story. Like, all right. So I want to, I want to like, just you, you glossed over something that I need just a little bit of clarification on. So. When it comes to the like the marketing genius, let's say, that is the demand for esoterica, the high the high place that it holds, that can be traced back to Mike here in Houston?
1: To Mike and then to the Orango company. Fascinating. But, but okay.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that's
1: right. Had a big part in that. Yep
0: that really, that, 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 that helps explain some things that, that, that helps explain some things. <laughs> no, it really does. It really does. I've had the pleasure to meet Mike and, uh, and, and, uh, speak with him. And, uh, you could tell he was, uh, someone who, uh, who was definitely, um, you know, like, like he was, he was an industry man. He brought in a ton of knowledge and, uh, and definitely commanded respect in the room. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, man, no, it's, it's nice. Cause I mean, I, I knew of him, but I did not, I didn't put the two and two together. You know what I mean? That's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For, for a while, the importer of all esoterica tobaccos and, um, you know, someone that was a, a driving force behind a lot of that, uh, that energy at first. And so, um, you know, that really, um, you know, in some ways the American caretaker of the germane uh, name and the Germain blends. And so, um, you know, of course that has now passed to the Arango Cigar Company. Um, you know, if you go to the Chicago Pipe Show next year, you'll see uh, Arango based out of Chicago. They always have a, you know, huge booth there and um, all their folks are super knowledgeable. We, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we interviewed Josh uh, this time last year. And, you know, someone like him or uh, Corey or any of the other guys that work at Arango will be glad to talk about, you know, Esoterica, Germaine, kind of the, you know, the history of those products, how they get how much they get, how they determine who gets what and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, they, they, um, you know, they, they're very, um, you know, very open about the information that they have there. But, um, but anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating story, man. And, uh, and, It's uh, incredible.
0: Yep. All right. Well, good deal, man. I feel like, like we got a history lesson. We got an industry education, this particular episode and man, fantastic <laughs> job. Um, you know, the great thing is, I, I, you know, I, I should ask this before, before making our uh, not so subtle transition to talking about our good friends. I got, I got to ask you this, like you personally, I mean, everybody knows your palate is, second only to nobody um so i got i gotta wonder man so like do you do you like like what oh let me put let me put it this way of of the germane <laughs> is yeah, it really well, that good <laughs> I, I mean sure let's go with that i mean you know what i'm trying to ask here right like yeah is it up to the hype by your personal standards
1: I I understand there's a reason uh, it's difficult to get. And it's one of those things where, I mean, take a, you know, take a BMW or a Mercedes, for instance, like, you know, you, you, you know, you're getting something that's hyped up because of the branding and the marketing. And, you know, the BMW is the ultimate driving machine and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that you almost feel like when you buy it, you're joining a club and all this, you know, but. Which is good marketing, but that's not also, uh, uh, go ahead. I think you're about to say what I was going to say. It, it it's it's good marketing, but but also you know quote unquote underneath the hood, a lot of little German engineers have spent a lot of time making that thing basically perfect. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Beats, and,
0: beats headset is kind of like the one that I always kind of think of. Like it's it's like the industry name brand. It's top tier. You pay premium for it. But at the same time, and yes, there is that whole They're lifestyle. They're pretty band. doggone good. They right? are the freaking best <laughs> headphones that are out there. Don't Skullcats candy are, at me. Like, I like. Man, they are fantastic.
1: <laughs> they are. And, you know, the, the same, I think, really does go for basically anything that comes out of the Germain factory. So, um, you know, are they, uh, you know, the best in the world? I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, we've talked before, Mac Barron, Cornell and Deal, Sutliff, uh, you name it. Of course, we, uh, you know, McClelland, rest in peace. Uh, you know, all these tobacco uh, manufacturers uh, of present and past have been so good and brought their own things to the table. But uh, but Germain has a big seat at that table. And I think, um, you know, is someone, is a, is a blender, is a company that uh, produces uh, some of the best. And, you know, particularly their Virginias, I think the, the way they, um, uh, you know, process their Virginias and uh, you know, mature those things are, um, are just are pretty special. You know, I haven't smoked as much of the uh, germane tobaccos as I would like, because I've got such a long, uh, you know, line of people that want to get their hands on the stuff. And so I have not, you know, pers- I, if, if you came into my tobacco cellar in my guest bedroom of my house, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't just see stacks and stacks of gold bags where I've kind of hoarded this stuff and smoked through it and all this stuff. I, you know, I try to, I try to share it around. So I don't smoke as much as, uh, as maybe I'd probably like, but, um, but, you know, some of the stalwart stuff like Peacehaven and Stonehaven, um, you know, uh, uh, and Soda to bed, uh, you know, the uh, Pembroke, uh, you know, uh, you've got things like uh, Ramsgate and, you know, a lot of these blends that I have had are. Um, are, are really good. They are really good. They're interesting. They're different. They bring something unique to the table. Um, they're very nuanced. They're not uh, super powerful. They're just very uh, you know subtle and elegant uh, in their blending notes. And so, um, you know, I appreciate that. And I think they certainly have a, um, you know, have a highly esteemed place. Uh, you know, would I pay $200 for a, uh, 50 gram tin of Penzance? I, That's the question. I, you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, but there are, there are folks that would man. So, um, you know, you, you, I don't know. Uh, everyone's got their own, uh, priorities. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got a mortgage payment. I can't do that, but, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, but it's a um man, great great tobaccos and certainly, uh, certainly worth a premium. Um, you know, depending on what premium you're, you're willing to pay. So,
0: right, okay. Let me ask you this, and I mean this this might be, I don't know, I don't know if this falls under like pipe shop fails or or you know something of that nature, and 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 maybe it's yeah. not. Maybe this is not pipe shop fails. Maybe this is pipe shop best practices. There are pipe shops out there. Like, we know this to be the case. There are pipe shops out there that w- they w- when they get esoterica in, they hoard and only sell, like, a small amount so that during the dry spell, they can, like, jack up the prices like crazy. Now, don't get me wrong. Supply and demand being what it is, you know, you, you go make your money. I'm not necessarily judging per se, but I do wonder yeah, I as understand. to your thoughts about
1: that practice. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. I you know, I I'm, I'm always one of these retailers that would rather you know, how
0: do I how how am
1: I, I'm kind of I'm putting you on the spot here. This, I, yeah, no,
0: I'm sorry for even Well, doing no, that. and that's good. That's
1: No, that's good. This is a great question because you do, I mean, let's let's be honest about it, okay? We've got I don't I want to I want to address this without getting angry. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but but I also want to address it with, you know, with honesty. I mean, we we've you've got retailers that, you know, will We'll get this stuff, um, you know, and they they pay a certain unspecified amount, uh, you know, for the product wholesale price, and then they sell it for, you know, let's just say, um, you know, an eight ounce bag, they'll sell it for uh, ninety five dollars or something like that. When the, you know, the retail price of this stuff is is, um, you know, the MSRP is somewhere closer to forty, uh, you know, dollars. I, you know. I don't know, Bo. I mean, you know, for me, I, I again, w- one one thing I do want to make clear is that every state in the United States has its own tobacco excise tax regime, okay? And so, you know, I I don't know what you know the tobacco excise tax is in, um, you know, Hackensack, New Jersey, or <laughs> the remote parts of South Dakota. I mean, I, I have I have literally no idea, um, you know, what the what the excise tax is in those states, but. Um, you know, but some, some, you know, retailers, I think, uh, do see an opportunity to, um, upsell this stuff and, and they do, it's, you know, capitalism at work, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, a way for them to, you know, bring in revenue into, uh, their brick and mortar businesses, which, you know, is difficult, uh, you know, in today's economy with the online sales and all this kind of stuff. So I, I understand the, the motives and the, um, the difficulties and even the you know taxation stuff that well you know maybe you know if you, if your state has a hundred percent excise tax on tobacco which some do um, then you know you may have to I, I guess you may have to charge seventy dollars for a half pound of this stuff i, I don't I don't know i don't i I kind of doubt it, but <laughs> but you know, but maybe maybe you do. Um, I'll I'll tell you my philosophy. Okay, um, you know, obviously, you know, at the Squire, we're we're pleased and and very very thankful to you know occasionally get uh, some of this stuff, and I, I would rather. You know, I would rather leave, you know, some coins on the table and build goodwill in the pipe industry, in the pipe community, and and give people a chance to really try this stuff. You know what I mean? Rather than, um, you know, make it this, uh, you know, fairy tale thing where, uh, you know, you've got to, you know, be uh, at, you know, kissing up to the right person and and have a you know fistful of a hundred dollar bills and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Uh, you know, for me, I, 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 you know, I've even gotten to the point where the past few drops we've had, what what I'll do is I'll save. Um, because people come in, they rush and they get it, and and then you've got this whole fleet of people that you know are are, are searching for it, and uh, you know just oh, I, I just really wanted to try it. You know, it's not that I'm hoarding it or want to resell it. I just want to try this. You know, I've never had Penzance, and I love English blends, and you know, and man, and everybody talks about it. And so, uh, these past few drops, I've kind of been this little. Um, you, you know, uh, behind the scenes, uh, you know, Angel. <laughs> I've gone to some of these groups and tried to find some of those people uh, on Facebook that are posting about, hey, I, oh, I missed out. I can't find this. And and so I'll send them a little message and say, hey, you know, just let me introduce myself. My name's you know, John David Cole, and I own this little shop in, in Mississippi. And I happen to have some of this. I saw that you're looking for it. I'm just trying to get it in the hands of people that, um, you know, that haven't smoked it before, that want to try it. Um, and so we've we've started over the past few drops doing some of these little small, uh, kind of, uh, angel shares, you know, <laughs> where we, where we go around at the end and, uh, just kind of pick out some people to, um, you know, get it in the hands of folks that we know aren't looking to resell, but are really wanting to try the stuff, uh, at a fair price. So, um, you know, for me, I have thoughts about marking it way up like that. You know, that's, um, again, it's, Hey, it's the economy at work. It's, you know, how, uh, you know, the nature of, uh, buy low and sell high and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I mean, that's how fortunes are made and, and everything. But, um, you know, as a retailer, I've got to be able to, um, you know, sleep at night. And as a pipe enthusiast, I've got to be able, uh, you know, to make sure that, you know, folks are getting the chance to try stuff that they've never had before um and you know are not getting uh you know kind of eaten up by the system. And so it's a it's a hard balance. But, you know, our, our whole model, uh, which, you know, we don't always execute perfectly, but um but our model is to, you know, let's leave some coins on the table and let's let's try to, you know, try to benefit the pipe community, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, getting the stuff more accessible than it, than it currently is. So, um, I don't know. That's just me personally, but, um, regardless, we, uh, we hope, you know, as many people can try it as possible. And I I think what's happening now with the esoterica stuff and we'll, we'll move on. I know we've got to move on here, but I think what's happening now is, you know, eBay, you used to see a lot of these tins being sold on the secondary market on eBay and, And you're not seeing that anymore as much because eBay is kind of clamped down on this, um, you know, tobacco tin selling, essentially. That's a whole new conversation. We could do a whole episode on that. Because you can't buy these, because you can't sell these tins of Esoterica on eBay, it's harder for the resellers. It's harder for the, you know, the, the vulture types to, to get their hands on it, mark it up, you know, 400% and then sell it because there's not really any outlets for people to do it in. Right. And so, um, so I think what you're going to see happening, Bo, over the next couple of years is the, the market for this, you know, for good or for bad. I mean, I, you know, I understand, look, there's, you know, there's, you know, um, eBay selling tins of tobacco, that has a place. And I mean, I, there are things to uh, be sad about that not happening anymore. Uh, you know, just, you know, distribution. And, you know, if you've got interesting tins, you're not smoking. How do you get that into the hands of people that that will will enjoy them and all that kind of stuff? But, but, you know, a side effect of all the, you know, changes on eBay that's, I think, going to affect the esoterica market is you're going to start seeing... Um, you know, the crazy, rabid, foaming at the mouth uh, <laughs> demand for esoterica, I think you'll start to see that, um, you know, be um, tempered a little bit. And uh, and maybe you'll see some of these tobaccos uh, kind of, um, you know, when, when folks come across them, uh, maybe they won't be quite as, uh, you know, as, as crazy, because they simply can't, you know, there's not an outlet for people to, to put them online to resell for a quick buck kind of thing. So, um so I I don't know the the future of the esoterica demand is interesting. I know as long as they make the stuff, it'll be popular. It'll be um, you know sought after just because of the quality. But I think the rabid uh, you know just uh, you know in, incredible uh, demand for this stuff that is uh, overwhelming. I think we may see that we may see that tempered a little bit here in the near future. So time will tell.
0: Well, like I said, excellent. Uh, you know I think we. We definitely went a little bit over, but I think it's it's warranted uh, given the the nature of the topic, and then also just because, you know, you, it's it's good to have that history. But I think that the, it's a uh, it's a product that that lends itself to a little bit of a deeper discussion from that standpoint. So, uh, man, I I appreciate you being being uh, uh, open and a bit vulnerable there, man. I, I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> well, hey, now of course, if somebody was to ever get their hands on uh, any of these fabled tobaccos, that you know, who knows if they actually exist or not. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, if anybody was able to get their heads on these tobaccos, we would want to make sure that they are able to get uh, the full experience to be able to taste all of the various uh, 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 flavor profiles and pick out what you like what you don't like decide yourself whether or not it's worth the price and you're only going to do that with a good quality smoke and of
1: course you can get those from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum man that is exactly right and you know if you get your hands on esoterica you don't want a small bowl you want a big bowl <laughs> you want to load it up man and sit there and smoke it and enjoy it with your favorite beverage on in your favorite location for hours and hours on end and uh, one of my favorite uh, you know Missouri Meerschaum pipes one that I turn to uh, personally uh, more often than not, and, uh, and one of our best sellers too, is the Country Gentleman. The Country Gentleman is a Missouri Maresham that you're probably familiar with. Uh, just has a very classic uh, shape and kind of oval uh, billiard style shaped bowl with a really uh, attractive uh, hardwood stem, uh, there and the uh, the black bit with the hardwood insert in the bottom of the pipe. Uh, it's a generous sized bowl. Feels really good in your hand and has that nice uh, kind of uh, black varnished finish that uh, is just very attractive. So, um, very reasonably priced pipe. It uh, retails for thirteen twenty nine, dollars and you can actually get it from the source at corncobpipe.com uh, the, the Country Gentleman is available there along with uh, their entire lineup and tobaccos and so many wonderful products. So, uh, go check it out corncobpipe.com. Get yourself a country gentleman. We know you'll enjoy it. And if you've got one this week, be sure to smoke it. Take a picture of yourself doing so
0: with uh, with your esoterica, and we'll uh, let the good folks at Missouri Mersham know you appreciate them for sponsoring this show.
1: Quick,
0: Quick fire, fire with the squire. squire. Quick fire question. Yeah, man. Loaded episode this week. So uh, we'll bring pipe question of the week back next week. But uh, jumping straight to quick fire questions this week brought to us uh, and by new patron Alex. Uh, Here is what Alex has to say. This is the uh, theology edition. (laughs) You ready for these?
1: Whoa. Okay. We, we're going to talk about all kinds of controversial stuff. Here's uh, yeah, you know, a yeah, this... retail pricing <laughs> and now uh theology questions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're just going to get baby. all kinds
0: of trouble, man. This is going to be good. All right. Uh, <laughs> here's what we got. Uh, Calvinism or Arminianism or uh, Molinism. I guess uh, he's kind of merging Armin- Arminianism and uh, Molinism. M- Millin- <laughs> yeah. M- help, help, help my
1: dyslexic For, tongue here. It's Molinism and it's Arminianism slash Molinism. And I, if if you've listened to Country Squire Radio long enough, you you've probably caught on that Bo and I are both uh, you know, Bible believing Christians, saved by the grace of the good Lord, in in spite of ourselves. <laughs> um you know, I, I'm I'm a Calvinist, but I don't want to fight about it. Let me just put it that way. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I will say for most Calvinists, that uh, that can be kind of rare sometimes. So it's the not wanting to fight about it part. But I, I am a Calvinist. I don't want to fight about it.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I fall in that exact same ca- category. I think at times in my life, I was Calvinist and I wanted to fight about it. But that was when I went to a, I was a- <laughs> Like, to be fair, I was a, I was a Calvinist at a Baptist university. I mean, you know, you had to fight, you know, you had to,
1: <clears throat> you had a chip
0: on your shoulder, right? Yeah. yeah I, no, I, I, mean, I get it. You gotta, you gotta find the biggest Armenian there and, you know, kick his, you know, take him to task so that people know what's up. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, but no, I <laughs> in my, in my uh, early Calvinist. Well, I mean, I wasn't an early oh, Calvinist, man. but in my college days as a Calvinist at a Baptist university, then I was in kind of fight mode, but since then I, I don't want to fight about it either. <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Oh man. <laughs> Uh,
0: the Eucharist: Christ is
1: present or a symbol? This is a great question for our listeners that are not Christians. Like I, just hang tight with us while we discuss these interesting things that are interesting to us anyway. Um, you know, for um, for the Eucharist, I to me, Christ is present in the Eucharist. I take um, I, I, I take you know what was the original Reformation view, at least in my mind, uh, that there is a real presence. Uh, in the Eucharist, that is not a bodily presence, but is a real uh, spiritual presence there, uh, and is something bigger than just a memorial. How that happens is a mystery to me, and so I will—that—that's that, above my pay grade—and I'll uh, leave that uh, leave that to uh, other other realms <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah and of course uh, i see it as more purely symbolic but i come from a very rich catholic background so i'm very respectful of the fact that yeah you know that, that others True. believe otherwise um. All right, hymns or contemporary worship music?
1: Hymns, um, like nine and a half times out of ten. Give me. Yo, a, give, you're like Anglican, right?
0: <laughs> so it's like
1: <laughs> I want chanting. I want music. incense. I want yeah. I want I want monks and people walking around in you know big fancy robes like that. That's what I want. <laughs> that's good. That's
0: good. Yeah, I mean like honestly, you go into uh, you know, find find out what church the elderly in your community go to, whatever they're singing is still too contemporary for the Anglicans. Okay? Oh, no. they, <laughs> want, they want old old school. Oh, uh, but man. no, I I like a bit of both. I, I you know, I, I there's there's some contemporary worship music I'm just uh, uh, exhausted by, but there's some old hymns I'm exhausted by too. So like, yeah, no, you fair. know, the, I think it depends on the song, but uh, yeah, a bit of both. There we go. No controversy at all. I think we we knocked those out
1: pretty good. None at all. We handled it great. I
0: I may have pruned a little bit to make sure that was the case, but yeah, yeah, we got there. (laughs) He also says, uh, this is from Alex, thanks for producing my favorite podcast, guys, and thanks to JD for producing what are becoming my favorite tobaccos. Old Toby might now be my number one all-day smoke. Uh, keep up the great work. God bless. And again, that's from Alex. And he does, as I mentioned at the top of the show, correct us here. Uh, heights, Alex Heights, not hates, heights. And he wanted to see how wrong I was going to be able to say it, which was, I feel like I mispronounced it the same way everybody probably does, Alex, but you let, you let us know. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for those quick fire questions. And hey, be sure if uh, you'd like to send us some quick fire questions, send them in the show at CountrySquireRadio.com. That is show at CountrySquireRadio.com. <music> Your, your thoughts, thoughts your, your
1: comments, comments. listener feedback.
0: Listen to feedback this week coming in from the ginger piper. Now I wanted to include this because this is, um, this was, this is kind of like a, uh, one that came in a little bit too late. We actually got another one that we'll, uh, read off in a future episode, but, uh, back when we did our smoking chair, very popular episode, man, we got some great, great response to the smoking chair episode. Um, and I, I'm telling you, we've really turned the tide on the pipe culture series. <laughs> People love that. That's awesome. People love that series now. But, uh, anyway, that
1: it is awesome.
0: Such a great response. And, uh, this was a great one that came in a little bit too late. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is from Tim the Ginger Piper. What did Tim have to
1: say? Howdy, gentlemen. I'm Tim, the Ginger Piper, president founder of the South Jersey Pipe Club. Uh, we were just talking about the Isle of Jersey, but I don't think he's talking about that uh, that Jersey. <laughs> uh, love the show, and especially amazing. Uh, and it's especially amazing during these unprecedented times in our country, and more so our world. It's fantastic to have an escape, and Country Squire Radio makes you feel like you're hanging with your best buddies and enjoying a nice pipe. Uh, so, smoking chairs. To me, the smoking chair has to be leather, something that can 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 be wiped clean. Uh, but more so every cigar lounge that I've been to uh, has had leather chairs and it adds up it adds to the overall experience I used to work in Manhattan and spend a many a lunch break at the Davidoff lounge ooh swanky on uh, 6th Avenue uh, trying my new pipe tobaccos and talking about life uh, with the gentlemen and ladies that would frequent the shop uh, so when putting together my own smoking lounge in my shed uh, which is probably very different from the Davidoff lounge <laughs> um, I picked up a leather other chair, and love seat off Craigslist for a great price. Uh, now, after smoking hundreds of pipes and cigars in it, the moment that my rump hits the cushion, I'm instantly relaxed and can calmly enjoy some fine tobacco. Also, the arms of my chair are large enough to rest a warm cup of coffee on, a pipe ashtray, or a non-alcoholic IPA, as I'm a sober piper now, uh, without the fear of it toppling over. I am um, also uh, I also keep an iPhone tripod next to my chair so that in quarantine, I can join my buddies in the virtual cigar lounge that my local shop, The Smoking Dog, has. Uh, man, by the way, what a cool name for a smoke shop, The Smoking Dog. I like Fantastic, that. Fantastic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, I'm really the only one who ever sits in this chair, which also adds to the experience because I keep it super clean and hope to have it forever, like a great pair of leather boots. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, uh, both, for the work that you put into the community, and that's sincerely the Ginger Piper man. That is so cool, and I I feel like Tim in in you know responding to that, that episode and talking about his uh, particular smoking chair. That was. It, he was waiting for that episode to come along for him to contribute. You know what I mean? He was really, uh, he, he was, he was the one, uh, man that was, um, was waiting for that episode to come along. So, uh, man, thank you so much. And, uh, man, I bet your, I bet your, uh, you know, shed is, is awesome. Um, and, and also I really do want to visit the David off lounge on sixth Avenue. I bet that would be fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you, like it sounds swanky, but do you know, you know of what he speaks?
1: Well, Davidoff, of course, is, you know, the premier um, cigar brand in, in the world. I mean, it's certainly in the American market. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, they just uh, make exquisite, uh, you know, cigars. And, of course, their lounge is uh, world-renowned. And, uh, you know, let's, let's just say uh, I will never have a lounge anything like that. You know, this ours is compared, you know— we're like the, um, Beverly hillbillies compared to, <laughs> compared to anything made by David. Hoff. Wow. All right.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, good deal. Uh, well, Hey, you know, I, I just want to make one more comment about this. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I obviously, uh, very respectful and, and, uh, and, and good for you of being the sober Piper now, na- Piper now, but if you're going to drink a non-alcoholic beverage an IPA, that seems like, eww, that seems like a slap in the face with no benefit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah maybe he's found a good one you know i don't know i guess that's hey, true i'm my, curious of
0: the brand send send it send it our way because i i would let be us know. To try that
1: yeah yeah you know when my wife was pregnant uh and my wife is a beer snob i'll be honest like she yeah. is a doggone beer snob and like i'm the one of course that'll drink uh you know crummy miller high life and she would never ever let that stuff touch her mouth you know she she, she loves premium beer, but um, when she was pregnant, she found some non-alcoholic uh, beers that she could she could enjoy kind of got into it. I mean, it was something where, uh, you know, she found that, you know, some interesting brands and uh, some stuff that, uh, you know, was made kind of in a thoughtful uh, craft way. And so, um, yeah, I, I, there's probably some pretty good ones out there. I,
0: I, you know, like I said, I, I'm very curious to try. So send that our way, Gender Piper. I would love to try it. <laughs> uh, next up, man, finally, we've got an iTunes review in. This is from uh, JVXH. And he says, "Hi, I love the podcast. I just listened to the Metal Pipe and Olive Pipe podcast and would love to hear about Morta. I looked through the pipe the podcast and did not see one, but I think it might be a very interesting podcast topic. Keep up the good work." And again, that's from KJVXHN. And you are in luck because this uh, this definitely uh, went straight to our ears, our hearts and our minds because while we have done a Morta episode, it was definitely one of like the earlier episodes that we've uh, that, that we attempted. <laughs> and so, um, you know what, we, we kind of like, you know, we, we have kind of a personal rule about going back to earlier content, especially in those first hundred episodes, which is like, you know, we'll, we'll really only do it if y'all ask us to, if there's a, if there's a request and man, you know what, I think, I think it might be time to circle back on Morta.
1: Maybe revisiting Morta. Yeah. I think it's a good, a good idea. Uh, man, so many fantastic pipes, uh, out there that are made with Morta and a lot of, uh, you know carvers that really get aggressive with experimenting with it and so uh, so we're gonna dive back in man we're gonna we're gonna check out Morta after a you know several year hiatus. <laughs> what's all changed in Morta
0: <laughs> Petrified
1: bogwood We're gonna find coming out. up on Dateline <laughs> yeah
0: next week should be a good one. Well hey in the meantime y'all can keep up with us
1: throughout the week. you can follow us on Twitter I'm at the real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at at underscore Country Squire. And of
0: course, the show's handles at Squire Radio, but all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Man, packed episode, and yet we still had to slice
1: some uh, some uh, <laughs> content. Man, that's, uh, I know. that's a I it's good one, crazy, yeah. Man, no, uh, we had fun. It's always you know it, when you talk about a very esteemed brand, um, you know that has its own you know merits and. Uh, is fun in its own right but then when that is you know paired with something that is so electrifying and uh you know polarizing as uh you know something like esoterica um man there's just there's just a lot of talk a lot to talk about and then uh and then of course you know on top of that you throw uh you know retail pricing philosophy and theology questions and you know before you know it it just goes off the rails
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's right right, man it was a good one well hey let's go have a
1: week see you brother